Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have a birth mom from Utah on. Ashley is a birth mother who placed 11 years ago. She has now committed her life to helping women in trauma and other birth mothers. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, April. Thanks for having me. Ashley, today we're going to talk about your story and how adoptive parents can connect with their birth mothers during pregnancy and after. But let's start with your adoption journey. Yes. Where do you want to start? Well, let's just start where you had um, called me and told me the beginning of your story, and you said it started in an abortion clinic. Yes. So when I found myself in an unplanned pregnancy, it was kind of one of those, like, this doesn't happen to me, this can't happen to me. You know, that's kind of, I think, the common, um, you know, belief that, it well, it can't happen to me. Well, guess what? <laughs> it can and it does a lot. And so what happens is there's a decision that has to be made. And you have to decide what you're going to do now that you have found yourself in an unplanned pregnancy. I wasn't, you know, it's not like I was married and found myself pregnant and we weren't expecting it. And now it was like, oh, I guess we figured this out together. It was I was alone. The father of the child lived in a different state. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And I was terrified. And even in those moments of the darkest, oh, it, it's hard to put into words. It's not even something morally that I believed in. Abortion was never something that I grew up thinking that I would even consider. But when you find yourself going for broke in those desperate times it's really interesting what you will consider as an option. And my reality was I was pregnant and I couldn't be pregnant. That's all I could, I couldn't get past that. I couldn't look past that or see any kind of future. All I knew was that I was pregnant and I couldn't be. And the only way that I knew to not be pregnant anymore was to have an abortion. Because what happens if I'm pregnant, I have to carry this to term. I have to physically wear my shame all over my body, my family, friends, people in my community, everyone has to find out. I have to tell people. I have to actually give birth. And all of those things were too much. I couldn't even comprehend how I was going to even handle that. And so abortion was on the table for me because I was pregnant and I needed not to be. How old were you? I was 25 at the time. Okay. So what in your family caused you to feel like, I can't tell anyone? Were you in a religious back? Did you have a religious background? Yeah, I, it wasn't anything like personal that anyone had said to me or a conversation that I'd ever had. But I definitely grew up um, with a very um, heavy religious stigma that you just don't do that. You know, it was a it was a strong belief of ours. There was a certain culture that I grew up in. Um, that we morally, you know, didn't believe in that. And the, the church that I belong to very much um, accepted and would encourage women to place children for adoption, even over, even over single mom parenting. And so it wasn't that I was, there was necessarily this pressure. And I think it was put on me more personally, 
you know, it was interesting. I heard a woman say once, and this rings so true, that it's that I would rather face God at judgment with an abortion than society with an unplanned pregnancy. Mm. And there's something really wrong with that statement on a lot of levels, but personally how I was feeling about it, but also how society treats women that find themselves in this position and the shame that's put on them and the lack of love and understanding and support. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point because it's something that you said to me was you can't believe what you will do when you're put in a situation that you didn't expect to be in. And that's true across the board. But when you are forced with something that you don't want to face, all of a sudden things that were not options become options, right? So now you're in this place where you're saying, okay, I'm going to get an abortion. Yeah. And it was such a foreign concept. I knew nothing about abortion. I mean, I knew what the end result was, but I didn't know anything about the process. I didn't know how much it cost. I didn't know what you had to do. And so on top of all of the fear of being pregnant, I was now dealing with so much unknown. And I, you know, and I, I've talked to so many birth mothers, and I think if they tell you, and this might make some people mad, but that's okay. I think if they tell you that abortion was never an option, I think they're lying a little bit, either to themselves or to you, because I think for at least half a second, even to consider it long enough to take it off the table, it has to be thought about because mm-hmm. it's an option. It's an option when you find yourself that. And, and whether you recognize it or not, you're going to think about it, even if it's for long enough to say, no, I can't do that and, and put it aside. It's, it's something that has to be thought about. And again, when you are facing this alone and the, the opposite choice seems a fate worse than death, okay, because I literally couldn't even comprehend what it would actually have to look like to carry this out, um, then the abortion seemed at the time it was a band-aid. It was a very temporary fix for a very permanent issue, right? Right. And, and so that's, and I couldn't think past right that second, how can I fix this quickly? You know, we're all about, society is about instant gratification, and this isn't a gratification thing, but it was like, how do I fix this quickly and move on without anyone knowing about it? Abortion was going to provide that for me. How far along were you when you went to the clinic? So it was really interesting because when I went to the clinic, I I hadn't been to a doctor. I hadn't had an ultrasound. I didn't know the sex of the baby. I didn't know anything. I just knew that I was pregnant. And so when I went in, what happens, um, and this is, of course, was 11 years ago, and I know some of the the state laws are different, you know, depending on where you live. But this was a two-part appointment. You had to go in and get the education piece first. They had to let you know what abortion was about. And it was funny because I watched this on a little TV screen on a VHS tape. I mean, that tells you how long ago this was really in terms of what's available now for resources. Mm -hmm. But I sat in this uh, horseshoe-shaped room. There were chairs around, and there was a bunch of people in there. It was just like a Wednesday afternoon, and a bunch of couples and single people were in there getting getting the education on abortion. And... So I watched this tape, and then you had the choice to either schedule your appointment and come back and have the procedure done or not. And so I scheduled the procedure. And my experience at the abortion clinic, I am, like, back there like it was yesterday. It was one of those moments in my life. Every part of my experience at the abortion clinic is burned into my memory, into my every thought, every emotion, 
I will probably start crying telling this part of the story because it's so real and still so present because everything about that experience changed the entire course of my future. Mm -hmm. And when I showed up, for my second appointment, which was to get the procedure done, I was sitting there in the waiting room and I was looking around and every inch of me was screaming to get up and walk out. Get up and walk out. This is not who you are. This is not what you want to do. But I was glued to that seat. I could not get up because my reality still said, you're pregnant and you need not to be. Mm-hmm. And that's all I could think about. And so I could not get up and leave. And there were so many young women in there. Some there were there with boyfriends. Some were there with their mothers. Some were there by themselves. And everyone was so casual in the waiting room. Everyone was just, it just, it was unsettling how calm everyone felt around me. Because I was dying. I was screaming to get up and walk out and I couldn't, I couldn't leave. And so when she called me back, the nurse called me back to get my ultrasound and we were in this community room. There was other women in there getting ultrasounds with just a few curtains um, dividing us. It was so interesting because it was like, we all know what we're doing here. You know, we don't need to, it doesn't need to be in a private room. We don't, this isn't a secret. You know, we all knew why we were there. Right. It was such an interesting, like, moment where we're all kind of making eye contact it was kind of like yeah i i know why you're here yeah well i know why you're here too so there was it was like we were all stripped of judgment we were all just like sitting in our shame together in this room you know Mm -hmm. and it was such an interesting experience to be there in a community setting in something that was so private um and when she did the ultrasound you know, there was no chit chat. There was no eye contact. The nurse was all business. You know, I maybe would have been like one of eight to 12 patients that day, you know, so there was, there was no need for any personal connection with the nurse, you know, very different from when I delivered a baby versus when I was going in to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. Right. So she did the ultrasound and she just looked at me and she said, you need to get dressed. I'll be back in a minute. And I just, was like, okay, you know, I didn't know the process, so this was normal, whatever this is going to look like. How did you feel? How did you feel when, did she show you anything? I mean, because it sounds to me what you're saying is they take out all the emotion, right? So they're not turning the screen and saying, here's your baby or here's the baby's heartbeat. They're just verifying you're pregnant. They're verifying I'm pregnant and how far along I am. And this is like personal information to them. Like the screen was turned away from me. And it was almost like she was kind of turned almost with her, like, shoulder back to me. And I was just laying there with a sheet between me and um, about four other women. You could hear the beeps of the machines, you know, and the other women getting their stuff done. But it was dead silent except for the machines. So you're not hearing a heartbeat. You're not emotionally connecting. No one was. It was all business. It was all medical. The purpose of that ultrasound was for one reason only, and that was to see how far along I was, to okay. know what kind of procedure needed to be done. Okay, so she tells you to get dressed. So she tells me to get dressed, and she comes back in, and she said four words to me that changed the rest of my life. And she said, I can't help you. And I just looked at her, and I didn't, I didn't understand. She said, you're too far along, 
in the state of Utah for us to perform an abortion. We can't help you. And <laughs> I just, I really sat there for what seemed like forever, but then I think it was probably a matter of seconds before I was like running out of the clinic as fast as I could get out of there mm-hmm. in, in a sense of relief, but in so many ways now still faced with the reality that, oh crap, now what, now what am I in the deal? Right. Now you have no choice. So now I have no choice. So now my options turn to parenting or adoption. You know, abortion isn't the opposite of adoption. And people get that confused all the time. Abortion has a timestamp, but you have to decide. The question isn't whether you're going to parent or have an abortion or place for adoption. The question is, are you going to carry this baby to term, yes or no? And if the answer is no, then you know that abortion is your only option. But if the answer is yes, then you turn to your parenting options, which now become parenting or adoption. And so now I was faced with the reality that now that abortion was off the table and this baby was going to be carried to term, what do my parenting options look like? Mm -hmm. And at that point, you're going to have to tell people. (laughs) Yes. Right? I mean, this is reality is setting in that you're going to have to sit down with your parents and your church and your community and your friends and... Life is going to radically change. Whether I wanted it to or mm-hmm. not, this baby was going to come. And my baby was, my body was going to shift and change. And this baby was going to come. Whether I was going to accept that or not, whether I wanted to tell people or not, that was the reality of this new, of this new situation. So what did you do next? <laughs> well, I still tried to pretend like nothing was happening because I was in such denial. It was a total different denial than when I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) It was, it was so interesting. The mindset that shifts throughout this process, because it was before it was like, I'm going to have this abortion and I don't have to tell anybody and deal with it. And it was like, Oh, now I'm pregnant. Now I can't tell anybody and deal with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still was so terrified. And And I, I just want to say that that's, that's kind of a trick that you play in your mind because the reality is this is a hard decision no matter what. You're going to deal yeah. with it if you have an abortion for the rest of your life. You're going to deal with the child if you give, you know, the, the um, placing the child, you're going to, or you're going to raise the child. So, I mean, when you're pregnant, you're faced with no easy option. That's right. That's right. And people will say, try and tell you all the time, oh, adoption would have been the easier option or abortion. And I'm, no, I have talked to all sides. There are life time consequences, mm-hmm. good and bad, with any decision. Mm-hmm. It's kind of at that moment is a lose-lose. Like, it does not matter what I pick. It's all going to suck right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, just, right. it really didn't matter. No matter what I picked, I was on the losing end of it. That's, what, that's how desperate I was. That I was on the losing end regardless of what I picked. And so this isn't something that's just, oh, I'm just going to get the abortion and I'm going to be over it and nobody has to know. There are lifetime consequences that I know that I would have had to deal with that I may have never recovered from Mm -hmm. versus the consequences that I live with now that are very different. Mm -hmm. And uh, each of them come with their own set of very complex trauma and grief and consequences based on the decisions. I think that that is an important thing to teach people as well, is that we focus so much on fighting, save the life, save the life. And I think that's great. 
But I think also teaching young women, this is what you're going to deal with afterwards. And let's talk to some women who have gone through an abortion and how did it change their life? Because to think that that's an easy option is wrong and that's a lie. So if you're going to go through with it and you're going to do it, we need to prepare that woman for what comes after. That's right. And I think that's the missing piece in the, again, we're going to talk about some things that are probably going to ruffle some feathers and make people mad. But I think it's important to see this perspective that, you know, and that there are things that need to be talked about. And just because you don't have to face society with the abortion doesn't mean that you internally are not going to be wrecked from that decision. And I think the fight, you know, pro-life, pro-life, you know, all that kind of stuff is great. But again, I think we're still fighting the wrong fight. Mm -hmm. I think the fight comes with providing accurate and concrete options for what each of these three things actually look like and empower the women to make their own choice. I think the abortion numbers would go down on their own if women were informed and had the education that they needed to parent or place. Mm-hmm. And had the support and had those things in place. And so I think we're, I think we're, our intent is good <laughs> to, you know, for the fight and all the things we believe in morally. But I think that we're focusing our attention in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Because I think some of those numbers and some of that suffering would be eliminated if we were empowering women with real education pieces that, and concrete support in their other options. I also think that when you're young, you care about what society thinks of you so much more. You're just starting off and you're like, I can just have the secret forever. And the reality, and now that we're older, is we know that that's not true. There's something in your life that's going to happen throughout your life that's going to cause you um, issues with society in general. If you're true to who you are and what you're supposed to do and what God has called you to do, there's going to be times when you make a bad choice anyways when you feel shame anyways. Do you know what I mean? And so if we can educate young people and say, listen, this is not the end all be all. I know it's gonna be really hard right now for you to carry to full term, but let me tell you what it's gonna be like after you place and later on in life when you think about that baby. There is loss, but it's a different loss than I chose to end a life. That's right. And just like with the secret and the shame that's carried in silence with abortion, I have had women come up to me and I am the only person on the planet that knows that they placed a child for adoption. So everyone carries that shame in some form or another, Mm -hmm. no matter what you decide, no matter what you decide, there's going to be some society shaming done. I mean, look at the single moms. They get that all the time. Mm -hmm. This isn't a new concept. Just that we're finally now starting to come out and talk about it in, in terms of what it looks like for adoption and abortion and and why it's so damaging in empowering women to make the best decision long term. And I think that's a great point. And also, you are doing that by telling your story. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can help the younger generation by being honest and saying, listen, honey, don't worry about what people think about you. Because that is not worth it. 
at 20 years old, at 25 years old, I mean, I remember doing that and feeling like I have to do everything right. And I was involved in the church and I was a missionary and I have to do what society wants me to do because right. I want to have a good name because I want to serve God for the rest of my life. And if right. I make a bad choice, I can't even serve God. I, it will take me out of the race. That was the belief system, right? right? So in my striving, I mean, I even failed. So really recovering and now saying to, to young people, listen, it's not about that. Just be yourself and things mm -hmm. happen. Life happens. Humanity happens. And so telling these young people, like you're doing is really changing the environment. And there are strong women that need to come around these young women and say, Hey, listen, we won't judge you. We're going to help yeah. you through this. We're going to help you make the decisions that are going to be the, the healthiest for you in this really rough situation. Yeah. And the bottom line is no matter what you do, someone's going to not like it. Everyone has an opinion. Someone's going to not like what you're doing regardless. And if they haven't walked it, if they don't really get it, their opinion doesn't matter because right. they, there is no way that they can comprehend and understand what you've been through unless they've walked it. And even those that have walked it, your story is so unique to you that it's going to have its own pieces that even I can't relate to. And I've seen it and heard it all, and I'm still not going to get it. Mm -hmm. And what better way to serve God and to share God's story through our redemption. I mean, I, I'm a better servant because of all the crap that I've been through mm -hmm. than I ever would have been by pretending like everything was fine and that I had it all together. Absolutely. On that, we have to take a break. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Ashley, and we are covering everything, Ashley. We started your story in an abortion <laughs> clinic, and we talked a lot about abortion because you and I both feel very similar that the education for abortion is not there. You know, we ha we're starting yeah. to get into a lot of education on adoption and birth mothers. But as far as educating a young woman on what she will deal with after the abortion, that's just that piece is not there. And so hearing you talk about it is so encouraging to me. And I know other people that are listening to the show are really going to think about those things and encouraging moms to, to carry, to carry full term, because you're in a hard position either way. You know, whether you choose to parent, mm -hmm. place, or an abortion, there's lifetime effects of all of those decisions. And so you and I have been talking about that through your story. Now, let's go back to your story. You have now found out that you can't get an abortion. You are too far along. So now what? You're, you're thinking, I'm going to parent, or I'm going to give the baby up for adoption. So how did you tell your parents? So it was really interesting how it all came out because... I still, again, still living in denial. Um, I was pregnant during the winter time, and so I was able to put on the layers. 
and hide this pregnancy. And it is an incredible burden to carry alone, to carry this secret that I was pregnant and, and have this baby growing inside me. And it was a lot. And I would not recommend that to anybody. If you can have at least one person to talk to, please do that. Because carrying that burden alone is, is a, it's, not, it's not healthy and it's not possible. I mean, it's possible, but it's just, it's so heartbreaking to do it alone. And, but at night, you know, I would come home and I'd put on my clothes and I'd put on all the layers and I'd go to work and I'd do all the things. And then I would come home and I'd be down in a basement in a bedroom and I would peel all these layers off and it was just me and him and this tummy that was growing and he would kick and it was, it was amazing. And him and I would have hours and hours and hours of sacred conversation with each other. And what have we gotten ourselves into and what do we do now? And I was able to accept my full reality in those sacred moments at night and it was heavy and it was sad, but it was such a cool time for me and him because he knew me and I knew him and we knew we were meant for more or we would have gotten the abortion. It would have happened Mm -hmm. if God hadn't put his cards on the table and said, yeah, not today. We're not doing this today. And so, you know, we knew that there was more for us. We just didn't know what that looked like. And so I took a trip with my mom down to Southern Utah to St. George. My sister lived in Arizona, so she would come and meet us halfway and we'd go shopping and it was interesting. I was maybe about seven and a half-ish months along, and the drive home from St. George, I was dying. I was so miserable. My legs were hurting, and my back was killing me. I had to pee like every 30 minutes, and my mom was like, oh, What's my wrong gosh, with you? what is wrong with yes. you? <laughs> like, you are driving me crazy. I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, my back just hurts, and Again, it was winter time, and so I was still able to cover up. And God willing, I only gained like 15 pounds. And so everyone was just kind of like, oh, Ashley's getting a little bit heavy. Like it wasn't an obvious pregnancy gain. You know, he was only like six pounds when he was born. And so, again, I I think another, uh, another, you know, God story there that he allowed me to carry that pregnancy in secret for so long and that I didn't gain a lot of weight. But we got home. And a few hours after we got back from that trip, my mom came downstairs and she sat on the bed and she just looked at me and she goes, oh my gosh, you're pregnant. And I, I, I lost it. I just bawled. And I think, if I think back, I think I almost was like trying to hold back a little bit of a smile and almost like I was so relieved right. that she finally figured it out that I didn't have to like really go to her and tell her. But I was sobbing with emotions, heavy burden that I had carried for so many months. And then it was like, oh, crap, now we have to go upstairs and tell dad. <laughs> like, right. What does that even look like? And so we went up and sat on the couch and, you know, it was very, you know, Ashley, I have something to tell you. And, you know, I'm pregnant and they just, you know, they were heartbroken. They were mm. crushed. And I crushed them. You know, and I look back now and I can't, and now I have a daughter of my own and I, I can't even imagine what my mom was feeling, all of the disappointment, where did I go wrong? How could I have saved her? How could I have been a better mother that she wouldn't have found herself in this position? You know, I look at my daughter now and I, I can't even imagine what my mom was going through. I was so wrapped up. It was all about me. I was so wrapped up in me and my head and the heaviness of what was coming. But now that I'm a parent myself and I watch my daughter, I think, I can't even imagine the disappointment in herself that she was feeling. Mm -hmm. 
Although where she yeah, when I when I hear the story, I also think about my daughters, and I think I don't want them to hide for seven months if they are oh, pregnant. Know. You know, it's how do you create that environment? That. Yes. To yes. I hear that a lot. Of mothers that are hiding it actually like breaks my heart because. Yeah. To think that the shame has overwhelmed you so much that you are yeah. hiding from your parents. And, you know, I just don't want that for my kids. If you mess up, this is a place that you can come and we will support yeah. you. But at the same time, you want to have high expectations for your kids. Right. Right. It's a, it's a weird balance. And it wasn't ever that I didn't feel like I couldn't talk to my parents. I just couldn't talk to my parents about this. You know, there was right. so much about it. This was a, a whole new territory for us. This wasn't like some guy dumped me at the prom and I'm crying. You know, this was different. Right. This, this is life changing. This is different. And it didn't just affect me. This forever creates grandparents for my parents. And this, this affects my family for life. This isn't just about me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so even though I was all wrapped up in my own issues, my family was grieving greatly about how this would affect them moving forward. Mm-hmm. So... First dad lived in another state and he had, we had talked mutually about the abortion and, you know, he wired money to help, you know, it was very expensive and, and all those things. But when that was off the table, he kind of, the decisions were kind of left up to me. And he, to this day, honestly, I couldn't even tell you if his mom even knows that we had a child together. Wow. It was easy. You know, it's easier for the man to hide this, kind of thing and not talk about it and share it because he doesn't have the physical changes. Absolutely. Right. Now for me to sit here and say that it didn't affect him is, is not okay. And, and I really hate when the women are oh my sperm donor, the, you know, if I honor my child, I have to honor him. He was part of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just because it didn't work out or because he didn't react the way I felt like he should have, or he didn't step off the way I would have wanted him to, or all of those things, he still played a part in that child's life. And, and, and my son is very important to me, and I love him dearly. And that's a package deal. Right. And, he's, and I look at him, and he's a spitting image of his dad. So he's a part of that. But he ended up relinquishing his rights before um, Derek is the son that we placed, before Derek was even born. So all of the decisions of picking a family being at the hospital and delivery, any post-placement grief and interaction, all of that was done by myself. How did you choose adoption? Because really at 25, you could have parented. That, yeah, that was an, so, a real option. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like you were 16 or, you know, you were 25 and sounds like yeah. you had a job. And so yeah, what so made by, you decide adoption? By the time I um, gave birth, I was 26. Okay. So... You know, on paper, I looked great. <laughs> you know, I was 26. I had a job. I had health insurance, you know, by society standards. And that's one of the biggest things, the backlash that I get a lot is, why wouldn't you parent? Like, you had all, you know, you had all the pieces. Well, I didn't have the pieces that I felt like were important. And I'm going to be honest, I might be the only selfish birth mom, <laughs> okay? Because they all want to talk about how selfless they are. And they did this amazing thing. And it was an amazing thing. But at the same time, I absolutely placed my son for adoption for very selfish reasons as well. 
And I want to be honest about that, that there were things that I did not want to step up and take responsibility for. Mm -hmm. The thought of parenting a child, even at 26, was not something that I was ready to do. Does that mean I loved him any less? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. The responsibilities of parenting and my love for him as a parent are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. The responsibilities of parenting was not something that I wanted to take on. And... You know, it's so interesting growing up, you know, you talk with your girlfriends in high school, what would you do if you got pregnant, you know, and it's not like I went to my guidance counselor and said, I want to be a birth mom when I grow up, you know, that's right. something that I was like striving for, but it happened. And when I was talking to my parents, it was kind of one of those, well, what are you thinking? What do you want to do? And it just kind of blurted out like, oh, I'm going to place them for adoption. And I could see this look of relief on their face that was as clear as day. It was like, I know my parents would have supported me if I would have wanted to parent. I do not doubt that in any way, shape, or form. But just somehow, adoption just came out. And that became, by the next day, I had an appointment. I was almost eight months along. We had an appointment with the caseworker at the agency. And we moved forward into adoption and didn't look back. How did you pick your family? <laughs> Um, so picking a family is the most ridiculous process in the world and is an incredibly heavy burden, hmm. um, to, to deem one family worthy of having a kid and another one not is impossible mm -hmm. because every profile I looked at, every woman was just bleeding it out on paper about miscarriage after miscarriage and infertility and her lifelong dream of having a baby and how do I say one can have one and one can't you know and it was so interesting that my mindset shifted from me to them so quickly as I was connecting with these women emotionally on paper you know back then all of it's online now but back then I was looking through scrapbook pages right right and and, and printed letters and every single one of them every single one of them could have been an option and so you know you kind of and unfortunately, the adoptive parents are completely getting judged, right? They're, right. <laughs> they're under the magnifying glass. And I had a stack of 50 families. My goodness. And That's the a agency lot. was like, if you need more, come back. And I was like, no, no, I'm not coming back. I will find somebody in this pile. Like, this is ridiculous. And so we sat around with my parents and my brother, and it kind of turned into a joke it, because it was so, I had to narrow it down at least to the maybes. And it was kind of like, I know this is going to like break some hearts of some adoptive parents, but at some point I had to be like, oh, she has a bad perm, so I'm going to put her back in the pile. Or, <laughs> hey, adoptive parents, don't get perms. You heard yeah. it here on Adoption <laughs> like, Now. You, <laughs> you have really bad shoes. or I mean, right. and, I, and I don't mean to make light of it, but you can't understand how overwhelming this pile of 50 families was. These poor and families that are listening are like, oh, no, is that what they really do? But let me tell you, it is something in there. I tell People ask me all the time, what should I put in my book? What, what should I write in my letter? And I just say, be yourself, because sometimes birth mothers pick because you had a golden retriever. That's We've talked about that before. Say, it's a dog, and if you don't have a dog, you're out. Right. And that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with her wants and desires. Right. So you be you and the baby that's supposed to come to you will come to you. Don't try to be something you're not. By saying that you travel everywhere and you show all these pictures of traveling, that birth mom might hate traveling. She might have grown up, you know, in a traveling family. Maybe the dad was in the military and that would be 
not what she wants for her child. So don't, don't try to make yourself more than what you are. Just be you. Just be loving and caring and think about, you know, the birth mother as you're making the entire book, but be real honest with yourself. Yeah, because bottom line, I have an opportunity to pick a family that's going to be able to provide everything I can't. And my my wish list, quote unquote, is going to look different than somebody else's. And there's no way that you can know what my wish list is when you're making your book. And so all you can do is be who you are. And if those things resonate with me and my wish list, then I'm going to pick you. If they don't, I'm not. It's not. Now, it's so interesting because not that it's not personal. In fact, I have a blog that's going live (laughs) as we speak that I wrote a letter to the woman I didn't pick. Because I think about her just as often as I think about the woman that I did pick. Because I narrowed it down to two women, two families, and her face is burned into my head because I connected with her emotionally. I considered her as a final candidate to raise my child, and I didn't even know her. For me to not remember her or be affected by her is a lie. She is with me all the time, and I wonder if she got picked all the time. Because I connected with her emotionally. I was considering her to be the mother of my Mm -hmm. child. She is with me in this journey, even if I didn't pick her. Why did you pick your family? So there was two reasons. Wait, wait, I'm a guess. She didn't have a perm. She had great shoes. (laughs) And she had great shoes. Actually, not so much. It was really interesting. They had actually adopted before and talked a little bit about in their profile about their open adoption with their daughter's birth mother. And they had one biological child. And I kind of thought, oh, the adopted kids would kind of be the norm in the family and the biological child would kind of be the outcast. (laughs) 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 Because because I didn't, I was like, I liked that the adoption would be more of the norm in the house. Right, right. So I liked that they had been through this process before. I liked that they had talked about open adoption before. And they had two girls. And the dad loved to fish. And I grew up with brothers and a dad that hunted and camped and fished together. And he needed a son. He needed a son for his family name. He needed a son to carry on and do all of those activities with. And I picked him because I wanted him to have a son. Wow, you gifted him and with a son. And those two reasons that I picked that family. That's amazing. That was how I eliminated one from the other. Because both of the women were amazing. And I picked the other one because adoption was common in the house and because I thought the dad needed a son to go fishing with. That's so amazing. I love that story so much. Okay, so once you met them and then you're in the hospital, did you ever think, I can't do it? Oh, I changed my mind a million times. Oh, no. You changed your mind a million times. Talk to us about that just really quick because... parents are listening, please know. Yeah. She is going to change her mind a million times. I change my mind every single day now. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. This isn't, it's like I had to choose adoption, and then I have to continue to choose that choice every single day for the rest of my life. It's not something that I just made once, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to place this child for adoption. Okay, we're good. I re-choose that decision every single day of my life for the rest of my life. What can adoptive parents say to a birth mom to help her? And to be they, loving they and to connect. Anything. Don't say <laughs> the anything. Number one, the number one thing that I want adoptive parents to understand is that until I sign my name on relinquishment, I am the mother. 
Yes. And I deserve that time to be the mother. And if I'm going to choose adoption, if I've made a concrete plan, and I know, I know we hear horror stories. I know failed adoptions take place. I know women change their minds. But I am sorry, she has the right to change her mind. She is the mother. You know, they always say it was a failed adoption. It was a failed adoption. And I really hate that term because it wasn't a failed adoption. It was a mother who stood up and decided to parent. Right. Well, in some situations, I mean, you're talking about you're giving birth to a healthy child. And some of our stories are the mother has abused the child before the child was even born and fighting for the child. Or we had one where the birth mother starved her child and the child had buttons and uh, grass and, you know, carpeting in had tried to stay alive by eating all these things. In that case, that's a total different ballgame. So I can see where they would say that's a failed adoption because it was heartbreaking to watch a child go back into an abusive situation. And I want to make sure that we're very clear that women that lose their children through the state and foster care and relinquish are not the same animal as women that choose adoption at infancy infancy and place their children absolutely we are not the same birth mothers that's right foster care and infant adoption are completely different animals the grief and the trauma and the abuse and the cycles and the environment that the birth mothers that came through foster care that the state came in and deemed them unworthy to parent and they were forced to relinquish is not the same as me hand selecting a family mm-hmm. going to the hospital yes. and bonding with them and literally placing my child in the arms of that woman we are not the same birth mother boom that's the best ever i have to end the show but listen i love that you just said that because i have been trying to say that the birth mothers that my husband and i choose to deal with they're not you Ashley. And that's that's why I love bringing stories to this show because we learn, oh my goodness, there's so much to learn about adoption. There's so much to learn about birth mothers and about caring for others' hearts and helping birth mothers through the process and even after. So when you're talking about what you do now, and we're going to talk about just like two seconds, (laughs) it's amazing because when I see a birth mother who is like you who has placed and grieved and gone through trauma and now placed their child and is trying to heal through their life, there needs to be help. And you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Tell us your website. Yes. So BTG Lifetime Healing. You can go to bigtechgirl.com and find Lifetime Healing. Bottom line, we are holding the adoption professionals accountable for offering free lifetime care Lifetime post-placement care for women who choose adoption. I will be a birth mom forever, and I am going to have things that come up forever, and I deserve to have support forever. And your hope is to put this program in every single agency and that every every lawyer has it? Absolutely. Long-term care. So that that no matter where a woman is in the country, no matter how far she is post-placement, if she is triggered by something and needs someone to talk to, that she can find a meeting in her area and get the help that she needs. And they can contact you through that website as well, correct? Yes. Go to bigtechgirl.com. You can be linked and find all the information. And I'll put that in my Facebook as well. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you for being on. Thank you for telling the truth. Yes. (laughs) Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.